0: People quit halfway into the thing, halfway into the job, halfway into the relationship, halfway into the the breakthrough, and you quit because things got tough. The winds got a little little rumble and a little rumble in the winds, and the waves begin to toss your boat, and so you get scared. I'm going back, but you're halfway there. You already endured the first part. different between us and them because he says i'll never leave you manifested glory worship center kingdom focused kingdom minded kingdom living this is manifested media and you are now listening to pastor damon c johnson founder and senior pastor of manifested glory worship center kids y'all standing here today Amen. amen 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 No children's church today. Amen. And don't worry, the word's going to be palatable. You'll be able to understand it. I guarantee you'll be able to understand the word today. Amen. Well, church, uh, let me give you my title out the gate. So my sermon title today is On the Other Side of Fear. On the Other Side of Fear. Now, last week we had a, a brief conversation about being free or having freedom. And I told you that freedom last week, we talked about that, that freedom is is, uh, release from illegitimate bondage. When something that's not supposed to hold you is holding you and you're set free or liberated from that thing, that's called freedom. And the reason why God needs us to experience freedom, church, is so that we can experience the process of being what God has called us to be and we can't allow things hold to how how things hold us back for what God has called us and most of us are held back by this thing called fear and so uh, there's many fears in our world today and today we're going to discuss how to overcome these fears and let me just list a couple fears that people have people are fearful of the economy people are fearful of sickness some are afraid of death. Some people are scared or afraid of the dark. Mm-hmm. Some are afraid of bugs. Now you know what's funny about people. People now people try to camouflage their fear and just say something they don't like. So if a, if a bug crawls, and "Oh, I don't I don't like snakes. I don't like bugs." No, you don't like them because you're scared of them. Let's, let's call it what it is. No, I, I don't like bugs. No, you scared of bugs. You know, some people are afraid. Some people fear love. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some people are afraid of love because you know what? Love had not been good to them in the past. And so they're scared of it. And when anybody try to get close to them, they run because. That's right. Come on now. on. Uh-huh. And, and, and some of y'all have run away from your Boaz. Because you're scared of love. I could park there for the rest of the sermon. Amen. Mm-hmm. Some people are afraid or scared of responsibilities. Woo-hoo. Uh-huh. You got some trifling folk out there. They they they'll rather sit home and watch soap operas off they didn't have responsibility. Because they are scared of them. Fear. we have allowed fear to overtake us and the list goes on and on and on now we live in a world full of fear and god has called us to not fear to allow fear to overtake us and so the question is how do i overcome fear well the first part in overcoming it you have to first figure out how it got there so let me tell you how this is it working oh there it is all right so let me tell you how this whole thing works so Fear don't start out as fear; it start out as concern. That's right. Okay. Now I told you this in the very beginning when we first started this series that concern is a person, place, thing, or idea that needs to be addressed. So here's concern, and so here's the thing about concern: you control it. I can think about it or I cannot. I can worry. I, I, I can you. I can put it in my pocket. Worry about. It, I can talk about it later. But it's a concern. The problem is we never deal with, we never address our concerns, so our concerns grow, and they turn into worry. Okay? They turn into worry. Now, here's the thing about worry. Worry is now controlling you. You don't control worry. Worry tells you when you can sleep. Worry tells you when you can eat. Worry tells you. So, worry uh, is now controlling you. Now, if you don't deal with your worries, they then turn into fear. See how they're growing? They turn into fear. Now, fear is something else because fear have you in the house all the time. Fear, fear makes sure that you, everything, you're you, you scared, you're scared of everything. If you don't deal with your fears, they grow to you with something bigger called phobias. But it all started with a concern that you didn't deal with. And the reason why we don't deal with concern is because most of us are procrastinators. People say, yeah, I'll I'll do it tomorrow. I'll think about it tomorrow. No, no, when you have a concern, you need to address the concern. And a lot of times we don't want to address it because we're afraid of that hard conversation or, 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 or that challenging thing that we have to do. Just go ahead and deal with it so it don't grow into this thing. So let me give you an example how this thing grows. Some people are concerned about safety. Concerned about safety. So then if they don't address their concerns about safety, their safety would then turn into a worry. Now they can't sleep at night. Uh-huh. See, worry overtakes your thoughts. So now I'm so worried about it that I can't do nothing but think about this. Yeah. thing it was a concern, now it's a worry. I can't do nothing else but think about this thing. And it's consuming me. It's controlling me. Worry is a bully. Yeah. Yeah. And, it's now, and it's now bullying me and, and convincing me that this is how my life is going to be. So now I'm scared. And now I have developed fear. So now, because I'm concerned about my safety, and I didn't address it, and now I was worried about it. Now I ain't going nowhere. I ain't doing nothing. My kids can't do nothing. We ain't leaving the house because wow. I'm concerned. I was concerned about my safety. Then so I worry about it. now. I'm scared. Now I've created a phobia. And when you get a phobia, this is a thing attached to you. It's hard to get rid of it. You have allowed society to put a label on you, and you embrace it. This is mine. It's my phobia. And nobody can't have it but me. If you had dealt with this, it wouldn't have grown to this. And so today we're going to talk about how to overcome your fear because I don't want it to grow to this. We're going to deal with this. Let's deal with your fears. If you have your Bible, turn me to the book of Matthew chapter 14. Matthew chapter 14. We're going to park right here. Now, you know, I was telling Minister Andrew yesterday, I said, I love the word of God. You know why? Because the word of God, I, you, I can use the same text and preach 100 messages from one text. Because God put so much meat in his word. Now, it's, this ain't the first time we use this text, but I'm going to use it in a different context. Okay? We're going to use this context to deal with fear, to get on the other side. Your fear. Matthew chapter 14. This is gonna be our main text, but we're gonna we're gonna look at some, we're gonna look at the same story in John and also in Mark, but we're gonna park right here in Matthew. So I want you to stay here. Matthew chapter 14. We're gonna start at verse 22. When you get it, please say I got it. If you're still turning, say hold up. All right, Matthew chapter 14. I'm gonna start at verse 22 and go all the way down to verse 33. This is about Jesus walking on the water. So, I'm going to read from the New King James This is what it says in our Bible. It says, immediately Jesus made his disciples get into a boat and go before him on the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on a mountain by himself to pray. Now, it was when the evening had came, he was alone there, but the boat was in the middle of the sea tossed by the wind and the I mean by the waves and the wind was contrary now in the fourth watch of the night Jesus went to them walking on the sea and when his disciples saw him walking on the sea they were troubled saying it's a ghost and they cried out of what uh-huh and immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I. Do not be what? Pray. Uh-huh. And Peter answered him and asked, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. So he, he said, Come. And Peter had come down on the boat. He walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind was boisterous, he was what? Uh huh. And B. In the beginning, to and he began to sink, and he cried out, saying, "Lord, save me!" And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him, and said to him, "O you of little faith, why did you doubt?" And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Then those who were in the boat came and worshiped him and said, "Truly, you are the Son of God." Give me a moment. We're going to exegete this scripture. We're going to break it down line upon line so we can all get an understanding of what's happening here and how we're going to overcome our fear. Verse 22, he made his disciples get into the boat. He made them get in the boat. Now, this is the thing that messed me up with this text because they were doing what Jesus commanded them to do and they still found themselves in a fearful situation. So, it is possible to be in the will of God and still find yourself in a storm. All mm-hmm. right. See, most of us think our storms come because we've been disobedient to God. No, a lot of your storms come because you are obedient to God. All right, yeah, yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. All right, Can I help you with that? Yeah. See, see, many times we think every time something happens to the enemies, we give the devil too much credit. Half the stuff, he's, he's taking credit for something he didn't even do. <laughs> oh, the devil's busy this morning. <laughs> Could it be that your alarm clock just didn't go off? Oh, the devil, devil made me get a flat tire. Really? You just ran over a nail. We give the devil too much credit. The devil's busy. My kids, look at my kids. You might need to take the belt off. Gotta get rid of the devil. The Bible says spare the ride. That's what the word says. I ain't saying See, a lot of times we we talk about the devil did, the devil did, he didn't even even bother you. They were obedient to God and found themselves in a storm. Sometimes your obedience will get you in that place. Look at verse 24 of our text. But the boat was in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, and the wind was contrary. Have you ever been tossed by something you can't control? Mm. Mm-hmm. We are some things we can't control, but some most of us allow ourselves to be tossed by things we can control, like your emotions. You allow your emotions to control you, but you should be controlling them. They're your emotions, and people get tossed and turned and thrown around by things that they, that they can control. But these guys were in a situation where they could not control the thing that was messing them up. The wind was contrary. The waves were being knocked around. And check this out. Jesus put them there. Yep, that's good. How about yep. it? Jesus put them there. These disciples were in the will of God, and they were struggling in the will of God in a bad situation. Wow. They were in a storm following what Jesus told them to do. Wow. Ain't that something? Look at verse 25. Now, in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. Now let me tell you about the fourth watch of the night. The fourth watch of the night is between 3 and 6 a.m., which means it was dark. Mhm. It was dark. Uh huh. And, and, and even in Mark's account, and Mark, put Mark up there. Mark said the same thing. Mark six forty-seven. Don't turn it. Just put it up there on the screen. Mark six forty-seven says the exact same thing. It says, "Now when the evening had came, the boat was in the middle of the sea, uh, and they was all alone. And so this, th- they were in the middle of the sea, and it was uh, at It was at the uh, between three and six a.m. So it was dark. Now they were in the Galilee Sea." Okay? The Galilean Sea is eight miles long. And so if they were in the middle of the sea, they were four miles out. Okay? And so they were, they were halfway to where they were supposed to be. And then fear kicks in. And that how life is? You get halfway there and then you get scared. And most people want to turn around and go back because they're scared. Why quit? you halfway there. Most people quit halfway into the thing halfway into the job, halfway into the relationship, halfway into the, the breakthrough, and you quit because things got tough. The wind got a little little rumble and a little rumble in the winds and the waves begin to toss your boat. And so you get scared. I'm going back. But you're halfway there. You already endured the first part of the storm. You might as well ride this thing out. Yeah. But they, they allow fear to kick in. You're halfway there. And here's the problem with these guys. They were in the middle of the boat and Jesus wasn't with them. Mm-hmm. That's the difference between us and them. Because he says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. So while you're in the midst of your storm, Jesus is right there. So you ain't got nothing to fear. Stay in the boat until he comes to you. Then, you, then, then we'll talk about what's going to happen then. All right. So, 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 so they, they're in this boat. The boat is being tossed. And here's the thing about that. It's dark. Because it's dark, they can't see where the wind's going. They can't see where the wave is coming from because it's dark. And that's how it is sometimes on your dark season. You can't see nothing, so you get blindsided. A lot of times you, you just roll into living life and you get blindsided by something. You get a report from the doctor. You weren't expecting that. Or, 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 or you get some, some report in your finances, your bank call, you say, hey. Somebody attacked into to your account. Something blindsides you because you're in a dark place. And so because you're in a dark place, you can't see where it's coming from. But I need to let you know something Jesus can see. Amen. And so let me tell you what, what the Bible says here. Look, look at, put, put up here Mark um, six forty eight. Let me show you what it says here in Mark six forty eight. Then he saw them straining at rowing, for the wind was against them. Now, about the fourth watch, we talked about the other night, he came to them walking on the sea and would would have passed by them. So, it's dark. There's no lights, but Jesus saw them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Saw them struggling. Can I give you a sidebar? Just because the lights out don't mean Jesus can't see. Mm -hmm. Amen. Amen. He can see in the dark. You can sing Teddy Pendergrass all, all you want. Turn out the lights. He can still see in the dark. Amen. Anyway, let me get back to my text here. Y'all got my point. But here's the thing, I, here's the thing that, that I love about Jesus. Because even though it was dark, he still saw their struggle. He saw them struggling with this wind. He saw them struggling with the waves. And he says, you know what? I'm not going to leave you out there like that. I'm gonna, I'm gonna come to you, okay? So he comes to them, but he's walking on water. Right, right. Y'all, y'all missed it. Right, right. Let me tell you how you missed it. What was their problem? The water was their problem. Right. Uh-huh. So Jesus coming to them, walking on their problem. Mm-hmm. That is sinking when you, by the time you get home. He's, he's walking on what they're struggling with. He's walking on. So that's light work for him. He's walking on what they're scared about. He's walking on the water. So Jesus walks up on them and he's walking on their problem. Look at verse 26. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It's a ghost. And they cried out of fear. You know why they thought it was a ghost? because they wasn't looking for Jesus in their storm. Like most of us. When we get in a storm, we ain't looking for Jesus. You know what we look for in our storm? Pity. Mm -hmm. I'm going to let that one marinate for a moment too. I can tell people want pity in their storm because when they're in a storm and you talk to them, all they cry about is their storm. Well, you know, I'm going through this. I'm going through that. And I don't know how I'm going to do this. I don't know how I'm going to do that. wait a minute, ain't the same God that got you through your last storm, it's the same God that going get you through this storm. Why do you want a pity party? You should be looking for Jesus in your storm. They did not recognize him because they wasn't looking for him. They thought it was a ghost and it was their savior. So many people. That's what happens when Jesus shows up on the scene in your storm. You scared. Now, now check this out. They were scared. First, they were scared of the storm. Now, they're scared of the one that's coming to help them in their storm. Wow. So, Jesus shows up in your thing, and now you think it's a ghost. You don't even recognize that it's him showing up. So, you still hate, you stay in your pity party, and you stay in your fearful state. So, now you got a double fear. First, you were scared of the wind, and the wave, and the dark. Now, you're scared of the one that's coming to help you. They cried out because of fear. You don't understand. Now, I'm not making light of their storm because it had to be a big storm because most of these boys were fishermen. They were used to being on the water. They were used to storms. But this had to be a when they scared. This was a real storm. So I'm not making light of their storm. However, they should have learned a lesson from Jesus. The lesson is, man. Listen, y'all know I got your back. I ain't going. And then look, I saw you struggling, and I immediately came to your aid. That's what the Bible says. He says he saw them struggle, and he came to them, walking on their problem. That should have been an indicator right there that this problem ain't nothing for my God. If he can walk on it, then he—that means he can control this thing. But then my man Pete, I love Pete. Peace, my man. You know what? I, I, I probably, you know what? I, I can't wait to get to heaven because I want to meet Peter because I guarantee we have very similar personalities. <laughs> Me and Peter probably got a lot in common. Peter was that dude. Peter Peter was the one. Now, don't make Peter mad. Now, now, now here's, here's the thing. I got delivered from that thing a long time ago. My tongue. I told you my story, but I don't cuss no more. I used to, though, back in the day. I will cuss you. But God delivered me, and I and I ain't got no T on it. Delivered, (laughs) Mm -mm. I got delivered. Amen. (laughs) Twenty-two years ago, I got delivered from that thing. Twenty-two years ago. Amen. 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 God took that tongue from me, and 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 so and so because of that. Now Peter, get him wrong, he'll cuss you out. But Peter was a soldier too. When they came to arrest Jesus, he whipped out his shank and cut the man's ear off. Peter was, Peter was that dude. So Peter steps up and say, Jesus, if it's you, let call me to you. I want to walk on the water too. Now here's the thing that messed me up. It was 12 of them in the boat. He was the only one who had this request. Now you would think, I would have been like, man, look, check this out. If Pete asked for it, I wanted to sign me up, Jesus, for the Christian Jubilee. Put me on the itinerary. I'm trying to get on this. I'm trying to blow this boat too. Okay. So the question is, why did Peter have this request? And I think that we can learn a lot from Peter's request. Somebody say number one. Number one. one of the lessons we learn from Peter's request is this. Peter said, "I'd rather be out there with you, Jesus, than in here with these skiddy cats." <laughs> That's what he's saying. Think about this. See, Peter understood something. He says, listen, that fear rubs off on, on other people around. You know that, right? If you hang around with people that are scared all the time, you're going to become scared just like them. I guarantee you, especially black folk, you know how we get. I guarantee you right now, four of y'all take off running, everybody ain't going to run out of here. Don't know why you're running, you're just running. Because fear follows itself. You know what I'm saying? I guarantee you, if I took off running, people say he out, I'm out too. Now, I could be running into danger, but you don't care. Because people want to follow fear. So when you hang around people who are always fearful, yet that rubs off on you. So Peter said, I want to I be with Jesus because he ain't scared. Let me tell you something else that, that Peter is saying with his statement. Peter is also saying that, you know what, I don't have to be popular as long as I'm with you, Jesus. Mm-hmm. See, you know, in today's time, it's not popular to follow Christ. If you mention anything about Jesus, you're going to be condemned. Matter of fact, if you, if you quote anything on the Bible, you, you hate everybody else in the world. You know that, right? The minute you read the Bible, what it says about men and women being together versus men and men and women and women, then you, you have a problem. You realize that, right? And, and, and you automatically judge it. I ain't judging you. I'm just telling you what the word says. But because of that, we, see, so in the church, we'd rather be popular so we stay in the boat instead of getting close to Jesus. Mm-hmm. Peter was making a statement, like, you know what? I got 11 of my homeboys in there. If y'all want to stay there, y'all go ahead. I'm trying to get close to Jesus. And I, I want what Jesus wants, and I want what Jesus wants for me. And so Peter was saying, I ain't got to be popular. Something else Peter was saying with his statement, he says, I want more. So Peter was saying, Jesus, before you fix it, let me walk on it. See, see, he understands that Peter will, God, Jesus will come and take care of your storm. But Jesus, before you take care of my storm, let me walk on this thing. Let me experience victory before you take the storm away from me. See, that's why I love David. When David wrote, he says that God will prepare a table before you in the presence of your enemy. So before you remove my enemy, God, let them watch me eat. Hallelujah. Let them watch me prosper, God, and then remove my enemy. So Peter was making a statement with his, he was saying, look, I know you're going to deal with the storm, Jesus, but before you do, let me experience walking on this thing. See, that's, we got to go to God bold like Peter did. God, I know you're going to help me in my storm, but before you get rid of this thing, let me walk on this thing. Let this thing be underneath my feet so I can overcome my fear. So so, so so, Peter asked for that, but look at verse 29. This is where Peter started to slip. Verse 29 of our text. So we're walking line upon line. We're going to get there. We're almost done. Look at verse 29. So he said, come. This is Jesus' response to Peter. Peter said, Peter said, Jesus, can I come out there with you? He said, come on, man. Now listen, Peter is the only one. Outside of Jesus Christ, who've ever in mankind history walked on water? And you know why he walked on water? Because he asked to. I guarantee you, if all twelve of those boys would have said, "Jesus, let us come," they all would have had the same experience. But that's the difference between people who can open up their mouth and people who keep their mouth closed. See, the Bible teaches we have to make our requests known to Him, and so we got to open up our mouth and say, "God, this is what I want. This is what I need." And God did not waver. He said, "Come on, if you want to, come get it." Now the rest of those boys did not have Peter experience. We get to have a people say, Yeah, man, I did that. I walked on the Galilean Sea. I'm the only one that's ever done that outside of Jesus. And the only reason I did it because I asked them to. Yeah. See, see, you know what in the church we try to be so holy. And in humble, you know, Jesus if it's your will. Why don't we stop, stop praying those prayers? If it's your will. His will is spelled out to you in this book. So you don't have to question. There's no question of what his will is for your life. All you got to do is read it so you can understand it. He said it's finished on the cross. I completed my work. Now you got to walk this thing out. So you can't say, God, if it's your will, bless my life. He wants to bless your life. God, if it's your will for me to be healed, he wouldn't get the stripes on his back if he didn't want you to be healed. So we got to stop playing this, this I'm, I'm trying to be humble game and just start asking God for what we want. Uh-huh. Peter said, Jesus, can I come to you? Jesus said, come on. And Peter went and came out down out of the boat, and he walked on water to go to Jesus. Put verse 30 up there. But <laughs> but when he saw the wind was boisterous, he was what? Uh-huh. And began to sink and cry out, saying, Lord. Save me. You know what messed me up about this? The wind didn't change. Peter did. This is the same wind that was beating up the boat when he asked to come out there. The wind didn't change. Peter's perspective of the wind changed. And that's what happens to us. See, what happens is, see, fear fear is something else because fear will magnify your problem. So now now Peter's in the boat. The wind and the waves are beating up the boat. He asked Jesus, let me walk on this thing. Jesus said, okay. He started to walk on it, and a minute, soon he started walking on it. He said, Wait a minute. This wind is strong. The wind ain't changed. The wind's the same wind. But his perspective of the wind changed. Because he allowed fear to tell him, Man, this thing is worse than what you thought it was and that's what, that's what fear does to us we get ourselves in a storm and we begin to believe that the storm is worse than what it really is we allow fear to convince us that it's really bad and that it's worse off than what it really is so Peter began to allow fear to sink in and when, he, when fear sinked in he sunk <laughs> he began to sink and he cried out Lord save me now uh, here's the problem with that. He lost focus. See, as long as he kept his eyes on Jesus, he was straight. The minute he looked at his circumstances, he began to sing. Mm-hmm. See, see, we we oh, can I give you a sidebar right there. When you change your focus, you change your stability. Uh huh. See, we have to keep our eyes on Christ. When we take our eyes off Christ and we begin to look at only our circumstances and our situations, then we've lost focus. And when you lose focus, you begin to sink. Uh, Here's another problem. See, when you stop moving, you begin to sink. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. See Peter. Peter was moving. He was doing all right. He kept his eyes on Jesus. The minute he took his eyes off Jesus and started looking at his problem, he began to sink. When you focus is right, you're walking on your problem. When you shift your focus, the thing that you are scared of will begin to consume you. Peter began to sink. But I love Peter because he didn't wait till he started drowning to ask for help when he started to sink see if I was I, I'm pretty sure Peter was like me if I'm walking on the water the minute my pinky toe get too deep in there Jesus come on now <laughs> he didn't wait till he was neck deep in the water and as soon as he started sinking he said hey Jesus come help a brother out and I appreciate that because most of us don't cry on Jesus till we're up this far See, what we do before we call on Jesus, we call on our friends and we call on our family. We call on everybody to help us except Jesus. And then when they can't help you, then when you get up here, Jesus saved me. But now you're already drowning. So you got to call on Jesus when you begin to sink. Mm-hmm. When the singing began, you got to call on Jesus. Now, now, look at verse 31. And immediately, Jesus didn't waste no time. Jesus stretched out his hand. And caught him and said to him, O you, a little faith, why did you doubt? Notice he didn't say Peter had no faith. He just said Peter had little faith. See, Peter had enough faith to get out the boat. But he didn't have enough faith to keep him going. And that's how most of us, we got a little bit of faith. We got enough faith to start stuff, but we have enough faith to finish it. Can I, can I park in some of y'all spots? All right. See, faith requires movement. And see, as long as I'm moving, I'm operating in faith. But most of us, we, we stop moving because we become fearful. So we begin to sink because we're not moving no more. But the minute you start moving again, that means your faith is reactivated. See, most of us stop moving. So like even in your finances, God will call on your heart. He wants to bless you in your finances, but you don't have faith to move in that thing. In your business, God wants to bless your business, but you stop planning. You stop organizing because you stop moving. Wow. Hallelujah. In your health, God wants to bless you and, and heal you, but you ain't, you ain't moving on none of your faith. Now, here's what the Bible says. The Bible says faith without works is what? Yeah. So you can have all the faith you want, but if you ain't acting on it, that don't mean nothing. Yeah. So, if I, go, if I go to the doctor and he tell me, hey, doc, you need to lose 20 pounds. I'm not going to, Jesus ain't going to just miracle the 20 pounds off of me. I got to start moving. And then when I move, I've activated my faith and he can move through my faith because I'm moving and I'm acting on that thing. Same thing in your finances. Most of y'all want God to bless your finances, but you don't want to use the thing that he told you how to get your blessing. That requires faith, movement. God here's, here's your seed. I'm a soul in your kingdom, and I know you're gonna bless my life. It requires movement. And you sink when you stop moving. No movement, no faith. Mm-hmm. If you ain't moving, it's just talk. And most people in church talk a good game. But 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 you gotta see the Bible so you can tell a fruit by a tree the, the tree by the fruit that it bears. Don't tell me that, oh I'm walking by faith and, and not by sight. Mm-hmm. No, you talking by faith <laughs> and not by sight. Don't you just talking. It's a good, it sounds good. But if I don't see that movement in your life, then I know that ain't faith. But you know what? Here's the thing I love. Look at, look at put up on Mark uh, 6.52. This is, what, this is what Mark said about this thing. Mark, look what Mark said. The reason why this happened, is because look what he says, for they had not understood about the loaves um, because their hearts were hardened. You got to understand, when you read the first part of Matthew, Matthew chapter 14, it's when Jesus fed the multitude. Jesus feeding the multitude. Now, so we all know that story. Jesus went to them and said, the days came to Jesus, and said, look, send these people away, man. We ain't got no food to feed them. And I don't know what we're going to do. Said, Jesus said, what you got? He said, this little boy's lunch right here. He said, what is it? He said, two fish and five boys. He said, that's enough. Again, it's thousands of people. We always say 5,000, but it was 5,000 men, not including women and children. So it could have been 20, 30,000 people there. And so he took those two fish and he fed the multitude. And immediately after he fed the multitude, he told them to go out there in the water. So this was their test. The storm was their test to see if they learned the lesson from the loaves and the bread. They failed their tests. Wow. And that's what happens a lot of times. God will bring a blessing in your life, and right after the blessing, here comes the test. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And if you don't pass the test, then you can't blame God. Yeah. He taught you the lesson before yeah. with the blessing. The blessing was the lesson. But we failed the test after that because the test may require a storm. Yeah. And that how life is, though? God to bless your life, bless your life, then here comes a storm. Where this come from? how did this get here? You got to look at it like, okay, I understand. I got to use the principles that I learned from my last test so I can pass this test. Yeah. I, I got to apply what I learned with the fish and the loaves to this thing. And God says, and the lesson for them was that I, could, got the car, I was going to do all things. And if he could make a little boy's lunch, feed all these people, and then still have leftovers, then our God is bad. And I don't have to question his love for me. I don't have to question his trust because he, he is awesome in our sight. That was the lesson. They missed it. Let's go back to our text. Look at verse 32 of our text. And when they got into the boat, Jesus and Peter, the wind ceased. You want your storm to cease and write Jesus into your boat. The problem is we don't want him in our boat because our boat's a mess. I mean, we really don't have room for him in our boat because we got everything else in our boat. We got, our boat is so full that if we add anything else to it, it might sink. You got to get rid of all the that's in your boat and invite Jesus in. When you invite him into your boat, your winds will cease. So, I love putting all this together because let's, let me put on the screen what John added to the story. This messed me up. Put John 621 up there. Look what John said. This is what John added that Matthew didn't have in his text. When they willingly received him into the boat, and immediately the boat was at the land where they were going. Y'all missed it. Remember, they were just in the middle of the sea. They were just... If it was four miles out a minute ago, Jesus getting to the boat and now they at land. See, when you invite Jesus to your boat, he speeds up the process. He speeds up the storm. Look, not only did he calm the storm, but now you at where you're supposed to be at. He sped he that thing up. That's called divine acceleration. See, that, that's the type of God we serve, so he can speed up the process. What should have took years to do, I can do it in less than a minute because I'm that bad. You see what I'm saying? And so you got to invite him in. So when they, they they were four miles out a minute ago, now they had land. When they got to land, look at verse 33. Then those who were in the boat came and worshiped him and said, truly, you are the son of God. Amen. See, it's something that happens when you invite Jesus into your scary situation. He, he, sometimes he brings on a situation so you can really realize who he is. That's right. That's right. See, he got to realize he's the captain of the sea. Hallelujah. That old hymn says, I was sinking deep in sin, far from a peaceful shore. Now, they were far off too because they were four miles out. He said, how I go very deeply stained within, singing arise rise no more, but the master of the sea heard my spirit, Christ says, and from the water he lifted me, now safe am I. You know why? Because he loves us that much that he will, he will come down and rescue us out of it, but he's the captain of the sea. You understand, ain't, ain't no storm bad enough that's going to beat Jesus. He's, he's better than that. He's better than your storm. Now, 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 let me close with this. Now, last night, there were thunderstorms. I'm pretty sure you heard the thunder. There was a uh, tornado watch and flood watch. So there was a storm last night. And for some of you all who have small children, your, your children may have been in their bedroom. And, and as soon as they heard the storm, they cried for their mommy or daddy because they were fearful of their storm. Now, some of you may have gone into your kid's room and you laid in the bed with them. You may have hugged them and kissed them and comforted them. Now, here's the thing. Their storm didn't change, but now you're there. They feel better about their storm. And, and their situation hasn't really changed, but because they invited you in, you've now made their storm uh, durable. And now they can make it through their storm because they know they have their parent there to love them. God wants to do the same thing for you. He don't want you to fear your storms. One of our biggest problems is fear. We are fear because we're worrying about our fears. And our fears got us to the point of worry. And these two are working together to destroy you. Christ came to them. He knew they were going to a storm because he put them there. He put them there so they could learn a test. I mean, to pass the test and to learn a lesson. And here's the thing. He told them, do not be afraid. I think Christ is saying the same thing to us. Don't be afraid. You got to deal with your fear. And most of our fear comes from us feeling like our storm or the winds is going to overtake us and we're going to die and drown. Christ said, I see you struggling in your storm and I'm coming to your aid. I'm going to walk on this situation so you can see that this situation is not going to overtake you because I'm walking on it. And if we're bold like Peter, we'll say, Jesus, let us walk on it too. You will experience walking on it, but you got to stay focused on him. Don't look at your circumstances. Don't look at your situation. Keep your eyes on him. He's going to guide you and lead you. And then once you're walking and you have the experience, he says, come on, let's get in this boat. You're going to get in the boat and then the wind going to stop. And you're going to look around and you're going to be at your destiny. see, that's his whole goal. He wanna get you on the other side of your fear many of us get halfway and we quit many of us get halfway and we give in we allow the fear to overtake us and we don't move any further from where we are and most of us stay in the middle of the Galilean sea for years just floating stagnated now moving forward because of this thing here I believe God is calling us to something higher. And in order to get to it, you got to go through your storm. Nobody stays in the storm. You go through it. But as you're going through, Jesus said, don't worry about it. I got your back. I'm going to be there with you the whole step. You don't have to fear the wind. You don't have to fear the darkness. You don't have to fear the waves. I, can, I control those things. Those things are controlled by my voice. Listen, the whole time it wasn't the devil. It was God putting them to a test. So, church, don't be fearful. Don't allow this thing to overtake you to the point where you're not moving, that you're not moving in faith, that you're not, that you're not moving into the place that God has called you to. And again, don't think because you're, you have the storm is because you've done something wrong. Sometimes your storm is there so that God can speed up your process to get you to the other side. Think about this if that storm wasn't there, they'd still be rowing in that boat. So the storm actually helped them get to the other side quicker than they would if they had gone on their own. So don't despise your storm. Don't be scared of your storm. It's there to teach you a lesson. And I believe it's there so Christ can lead you on the other side of your fear. Come on, and stand on your feet. I'm done. <laughs>